0: Discover the Landing, brand new, sophisticated senior living in Alexandria with views of the Potomac. Enjoy multiple restaurants, a day spa, fitness center, art studio, innovative programming, and more. Now leasing penthouses, studio, one and two bedroom apartments. Learn more at www.landingalexandria.com. Hello, and welcome to the Alexandria Times podcast, Speakeasy. My name is Olivia Anderson, and I'm a reporter at the Times. I'm joined in this conversation by Adriana Schellhaas, the executive director at Casa Chirilagua, which is a faith-based nonprofit that helps to bring together Alexandria's Chirilagua community. Um, Adriana, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Yes, thank you for inviting me. I consider it an honor anytime I'm asked to, to speak. So thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to start obviously you have been with Casa Chirilagua for a long time now since 2011 um, but you grew up in Texas so why don't you start by telling me about your background?
1: Sure yes yeah, so I was born and raised in El Paso Texas which is a border city with Ciudad Juarez in Mexico uh, so my siblings and I are first generation uh, US born and uh, you know Spanish was my first language and uh, I uh, went to the University of Texas in El Paso, so I got my college college degree in El Paso and after that I uh, lived abroad for about a year in South Korea teaching English and then I moved here in the area in uh, West Virginia, my sister and brother-in-law were living here at the time and then I uh, worked at Rosetta Stone uh, for about three years, so gained some professional experience there and then joined CASA uh, after that in 2012.
0: Awesome. And what is it, sort of, about the mission of Casa Chirilagua that drew you in?
1: So our our mission is developing relationships with families to see the Chirilagua neighborhood transformed by Christ. And I'm a people-oriented person. Uh, I'm uh, in, you know extrovert, uh, although I can be introvert sometimes. Uh, I'm a, a, a people-oriented person, and faith is is my faith is very foundational to my life. And so CASA combined these two since CASA is very foundationally relational we we prioritize relationships and it is uh, faith-based and so I my faith has grown since being a part of CASA and I've learned a lot about my faith as well so it uh, has been just an incredible place for me and that's what drew me in
0: so you are currently the executive director at CASA um, but you started out as a volunteer interpreter and mentor uh, can you talk about how that progression took shape?
1: Sure. So I uh, found out about Casa through the church that I was attending at the time, uh, Grace Community Church in Arlington, and sure. you know the fact that I speak Spanish and there's this like huge Latino community that even being Mexican, Central American Latinos are you know all well, very different and, and diverse, uh, so I just was very drawn to to the community and. But when I uh, volunteered and was mentoring, I, I got to learn more about the organization. And Donnell Miller, at the time, who was our former executive director and has become one of my closest friends, he approached me while I was uh, volunteering and said, Hey, you know, we uh, want to start this team uh, director position and I would love for you to apply. Uh, the the caveat was that Casa um, uh, Lawa. Needed to raise the funds for this position. This was two thousand and twelve, so it was dependent on actually spring to action. Um, how well spring to action? How well Casa did in spring to action that would determine the funds for this position. And she said, you know, if we do well during spring uh, during spring to action, I'd love for you to apply. And so I applied, and uh, they did very well. During Spring to Action. So, a uh, shout out to my friends at ACT for Alexandria um, who organized Spring to Action. It has a very special place in my heart because the way it costed, uh, the the success of Casa during that Spring to Action campaign in 2012 led for this position to happen. So, I applied and was selected, and uh, then became the, the mentoring director, programs director in LBM. So held a lot of. I've worn many hats. And that you.
0: Um, Why don't you tell me a little bit about what that Spring to Action event entailed and why you think it was so uh, successful?
1: Well, uh, for those who are listening and are from Alexandria, so Spring to Action is a 24-hour fundraising event. It's like a friendly competition uh, between all the nonprofits in the city of Alexandria. And it was the first time in 2012, it was the first time that Castillo was participating uh, in spring to action. I believe it's the the fundraising campaign started in 2012 uh, So its it was uh, it was its first time and I feel like for it being our very first campaign, uh, our first spring to action campaign, it was uh, incredible because we saw so many individuals support Casa that and you know you have a lot of choices during spring to action as a supporter right you can uh, give to this nonprofit or that nonprofit and like that. Many, I don't know, I don't have the exact number of how many folks donated to Chikilawa in 2012, but it was enough to raise um, over $40,000 uh, in 24 hours, which is incredible. And I think wow. it goes to show the generosity of Alexandria's, uh, Alexandrian residents.
0: I wanted to ask a little bit about, um, clearly, you've, like you said, you've worn many hats at Casa Chirulagua. Are there any particularly interesting, uh, or moving anecdotes that come to mind during your time there?
1: Uh, I, you know, I think about when I was the Teens Club director and um, I realized that I, I'm not particularly gifted with, in working with youth um, in group settings. Um, however, I think despite that, and you know, I was Teens Club director for a year, I learned so much in that year, especially from the students that I got to work with. And I learned how powerful um, presence is and being present. And so, uh, one one thing that I remember is Tease Club was housed at GW Middle School, George Washington Middle School. So we had a MOU with with them to be able to to have our program after school at GW. And so, during every day during lunch, I would go to the cafeteria and just sit with the students uh, at the lunch table. And so, this is you know this grown woman <laughs> sitting. Yeah, uh, in the cafeteria with, with, you know, our Teen's Club students. And, you know, at the time, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, what are these kids thinking? Like, who is, like, this lady coming to, to have lunch with us every day? Like, don't you have a light? You know what I mean? Like, obviously, <laughs> like, it was, like, my job, right? But I just, like, I, I don't know. Well, we'll you know, I, I know that's just something that, that Danielle would say, like, you know, go get to know the students, you know, have lunch with them and because it's, you know, that relational component right of, of how we do things so I'm like all right so you know I would have lunch um, every day and he, last year Diana she was one of those students and she is now our elementary program director. so she leads kids club which is our elementary program it's, it's amazing to see her in leadership and she shared with me last year like to see Adriana you know like when you would sit with us in lunch during lunchtime uh that that meant so much to us because you could have been doing other things but the fact that you sat with us and just like listen to our jokes and like you know being all mean to one another or like you know uh cracking you know wisecracks it was it just means a lot because that meant that you that you were like serious about getting to know us and I never realized that and you know at the time I was like you know I'm just sitting here at lunch but it just goes to show how powerful presence is and how intentional um it is when when you are present and in order to build a relationship and in order to build trust. Right. And so that's one thing that I'll never forget. And that, um, the kids taught me and I'm so grateful that I, but I got to experience that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just being there meant so much to them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, uh, you know, I still keep in touch with, with some of them who are now, you know, adults, <laughs> you know, they, um, uh, some, some, some of those kids are, are in college. Some are mamas. It's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful
0: to see where they are now. Being introduced to Casa Chirilagua, I know you said um, it was important for you that it was Hispanic and served a Hispanic community. Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's important to lift this community up?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I, um, I, I believe uh, diversity is beautiful. Uh, you know, I believe that one, we are each created in God's image, and He created cultures and ethnicities uh, because they 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 are beautiful. I mean, if you need a proof, food, right? It, you know, yeah. food from other countries is, yeah. is delicious, and I, my life has been, uh been tremendously blessed by just trying out food, right? And so, just even looking at um, at that at food being an illustration of how beautiful diversity is. Um, you know, I believe that that Chirilagua is a community. That is uh, a terrific place to be sent from and uh, a terrific place to be sent to. Uh, We believe that there are incredible leaders in our community. Uh, You know, I mentioned Diana, who was one of our first Kids Club students and who is now leading uh, our elementary programs director, um, who is now our our elementary programs director. So we're providing employment, but we're also providing professional development, personal development so that they can. Uh, be equipped leaders to the communities that they are sent to or to Chirilawa if they decide to stay here. Uh, and so I believe that, you know, this the, the city of Alexandria is a terrific city because of communities like Chirilawa, because of communities like the West End. And I believe that, yes, um, they are oftentimes seen as under resourced. And you know, how can we get to the root of those issues, right? Why is it that certain communities are under resourced? how can we as a city think of ways to, to not have under-resourced communities? And I believe, uh, you know, the city is, is working hard in that, and we are uh, willing to partner in any way uh, to, to ensure that, that communities, uh, under-resourced communities specifically, have the resources that they need because true leaders are here. There are uh, incredible treasures that are hidden in Chirilagua, and in other communities that are just a joy and an honor to unearth and to see them uh, flourish. And so, uh, you know, I think that's why it's important. Uh, and I believe we have uh, some incredible leaders that are inspiring future leaders who will then uh, are giving back to the city and other communities potentially, right? and in, in, uh, Making those communities better places. And so uh, it behooves us, right, to, to sustain these communities and to uh, invest in these communities. Um, so I am just thrilled to be a place where we are, are doing that alongside the community.
0: Hidden treasures. I love that. That's a great way of putting it.
1: Um, yeah, it's absolutely treasures.
0: Discover oh. the landing. Brand new, sophisticated senior living with views of the Potomac, multiple restaurants, a day spa, innovative programming, and more. Now leasing. Learn more at www.landingalexandria.com. As you mentioned earlier, Casa Chibulagua is faith-based, and so I wanted to ask how that influences the work that you do as an organization.
1: So yes, we are faith-based. However, there isn't a faith requirement for families and volunteers to be a part of Casa Chirilagua. And faith is not only is it important for us as an organization, but faith is very important to our neighbors in Chirilagua. You know, seventy percent of Chirilagua is is comprised of uh, Central American immigrant families, and many of these families have a strong faith background. Many. Attend Saint Rita's Catholic Church, or they attend uh, an evangelical Spanish-speaking church. So faith, faith is very important to uh, families that we get to work with, and even folks who don't necessarily attend a church and live in Chihuahua, they uh, this faith is still very very important to them and foundational to, to their lives. And so, you know, I think that has um, I think that has like. Ha- helped us build that foundation of trust um because you know not just because we're we're a faith-based uh organization but you know the fact that we share that I, I, that's what I want to say the fact mm. that we share that with our community it, it just uh, speaks volumes to them and the fact that uh this is a place where uh you know if if uh, it's very common for a family to to you know find out, I'll be chatting with them and then you know they might share something good or something difficult and I can say like, hey, can we pray about this? And they're like, yes, please. And it's it's a very uh, a natural way of, of living. And so uh, it's just it's it's integral to, to how we do things. And you know, we believe that relationships bring transformation, uh, not necessarily programs. Although programs are like a touch point to build those relationships, uh, but really uh, transformation happens through relationship. And we believe that trans- transformation. Uh, through God is even more powerful, miraculous, and eternal. And so we've been able to see that firsthand. Um, and and one story that recently that just, that, it was, that you know, illustrates this is uh, last year when we would do food distributions, and it was like our huge food distributions, uh, like 600 families, we would receive food every Friday, and we would have the food and it didn't look like enough like we're like oh my gosh the line is so <laughs> long the food isn't enough and we would pray every morning like god let every family represented here leave with food and every single friday we had leftovers mm. and it's just incredible right and so uh yeah i you know faith is is important and will continue to to be integral and, and foundational to our mission and, and how we do things here at
0: yeah and i imagine that that really came into play last year um, because obviously COVID-19 devastated many communities in 2020, um, Chirilagua included. So what has it been like for you both personally and working at CASA during the pandemic?
1: Well, the pandemic became very real very quickly uh, for me in in March. You know, this was last March when I was declared a pandemic. And the reason why is because we... You know we we have deep relationships with over 100 families in the Chirilawa neighborhood and all of those families experience either job loss like complete job loss or a severe reduction in their work hours uh at one point the tests that neighborhood health was doing um out of our parking lot 57 percent of them were coming back positive so wow. not only did folks lose their jobs but they were you know our community was was sick and they were uh, severely impacted by COVID. Um, and so we immediately started receiving phone calls from families that we know. And, and just like, you know, one family in particular that I remember, they, they have lived in the community for 15 years, never had an issue with in rent. They had steady employment. And then, you know, COVID hits, uh, one of the parents lost their jobs and they were like, you know, we don't know how we're going to keep, you know, the roof over our heads and, you know, put food on the table uh and they they've never they never had to experience that stress until now and so it became very real and you know one mom um she called and, and she she had COVID and so on the phone call you know I could hear it in her voice I could hear the coughing I could hear the wheezing she was ex- I could just hear the exhaustion in her voice and and she was just saying how uh frightened she was of uh, for her children catching COVID for her dying and, like, what would happen to her children, it was just very real. And, you know, we both were crying and praying. And um, and thankfully, she, I saw her the other day. She looks great. And mm-hmm. she um, she's wearing this beautiful shirt that I've never seen her wear. I'm like, you look so great today. And she's like, yeah, she had this beautiful smile on her face. And uh, it was just beautiful to see uh, just the resilience that she and, and many of our families exhibited during a really difficult year. Uh, and so, you know, we... We, we pivoted and and it was it was just, yeah it was just, uh it happened quickly and we just it became very real
0: um, yeah. yeah i know that one of the pivots that you guys made was focusing your energy on um, emergency relief programs such as the in-house food pantry so what was the impetus behind that
1: it was the community uh you know we prioritize listening and learning from the community and so what we were uh hearing from the community was you know we we are we don't know how to pay for our rent uh we don't know how we can't leave the house we don't know how to um we don't have access to food and so we realized we need to respond and uh that's why we we Took all of our programs online. So we stopped all in person activities. And, you know, we were all, everyone was learning about COVID every day. You know, there was new changes, new executive orders. And so we realized that we need to make sure that our community knows and understands the information that's being sent out. Because, you know, gosh, I felt like there was something new every day, right? And like, yeah. wipe every surface. And actually, you don't need to wipe every surface. You know, there's just like constant changes. And so we, we did Facebook Lives. And, you know, disseminating any information that we got from health. Uh, you know, we we started the in-house pantry. We started an emergency emergency relief uh, fund for families to help pay for rent. We have for families, and uh, yeah, it was it was kind of like just we started going 100 miles an hour, uh, and I think it was the amount of provision that we were seeing. So uh, just how much God was providing, like gosh you know over two hundred thousand dollars uh paid in rent and relief uh rent and, and bill relief families so it's just been incredible to see the need but also responded uh with great provision and uh you know i, I believe that that's what allowed our our community to to persevere and and withstand this really hard year
0: what has that community response to COVID-19 um, taught you about either the organization, yourself, community, all three, maybe?
1: Yeah. So I saw firsthand um, how kind and generous Chirilawa neighbors are. During food distributions, we would uh, hear from th- several people like almost almost every other person asking hey can I take another box to my neighbor he or she is sick hey can I take this box to this elderly woman that I know who mm. can't leave her house uh, it was just constant like watching out for your neighbor and we saw that so I saw that so beautifully illustrated by my neighbors and it taught me how to love my neighbor as myself which is as, as a Christian is my second biggest commandment and so it was it was just beautiful to to be taught that by the community while the community itself was experiencing such hardship. It yeah. was just really beautiful. And I saw how incredibly generous Alexandrians are. You know, there is, in, in some respect, there was a huge spotlight put on Chirilawa and our organization many times. And, you know, for many people just started, like, giving to our food pantry. Oh, gosh, we increased our numbers of new donors. Like, people that we didn't even know were, like, donating to our emergency fund. It was just so powerful to see the, the such generous responses. People donating their whole stimulus checks because they didn't need it, and they're like, "Hey, give this to a family who needs it." It was just beautiful to see the, the generosity and uh, business owners, you know, donating Thanksgiving meals to to over a thousand families. It was just uh, wonderful to to live in a city that that was seeing Chirilagua and understood that this community is important and we need to support this community. And I'm excited to see how we can create a new normal and how we can create uh, a city where, you know, God forbid if a pandemic were to happen, or even if there isn't a pandemic, what would it look like for every family to have opportunities to flourish, uh, every child having an opportunity to, to graduate high school, go to college, become leaders in their community, um, and realizing how important Chililagua is to the city of Alexandria and vice versa, right? And so. Uh, that's what I'm excited about Uh, but yeah definitely I saw uh, so much beauty despite of of a lot of heart yeah
0: and um, you know obviously as you mentioned we are starting to um, come out of this pandemic and so there are vaccines available I'm I'm curious what your take is on um, kind of the community response to the vaccine I know some people are more hesitant some people are more willing to take it Uh, what have you seen
1: yeah, so, you know, uh, like I mentioned, uh, uh, 70% of, of families in Chirilagua come from Central American communities. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of folks have um, very difficult relationships with their governments uh, from their countries of origin. And, you know, it's many factors are, are the reason for that. And so it's no surprise that, you know, as the US government, US government was encouraging folks to get vaccinated, uh, many of our neighbors were like, uh, "We don't know about this," and and we're very hesitant about this. And so, you know, I uh, we have a great relationship with the Department of Health, and I was doing my own research and uh, and just learning more about the vaccine. And you know, I made a decision to, to become vaccinated just because of, of the work that we do as Casa Gazetirilawo, but also what the research that I was doing. and What I uh, and other fellow staff members who are fully vaccinated, what we started doing when families were asking us questions is just sharing our testimony like, hey, you know, well, this is what I learned, and this has been my experience. This is the reason why I chose to get vaccinated. And we realized that it's important the community has the information they need to make, uh, you know, a a well informed decision. And so we brought speakers from uh, nurses, from the Department of Health. Uh, some some of our friends from, from the Department of Health. We invited them to some of our virtual parent meetings, where parents could ask questions um, and and just really get the information that they needed. And so it's it's been great to to um, how the Department of Health has recognized the importance to make uh, information culturally relevant and ensuring that access was easy. Right, and so. We uh, we partnered with uh, the the Department of Health yesterday and last week, and they've been bringing um, vaccines to the parking lot to you know anyone who who needs a vaccine or wants to get a vaccine. Uh, no appointment necessary, and so it's been wonderful to uh, you know shout out to my friend Natalie Talis who who leads community efforts in in the Department of Health because they they really understand how um, Kirilagua uh is an important community and how to we make sure as a city uh, that they have access to to the necessary resources especially being one of the communities that was uh, most heavily impacted by COVID right right? and so yeah it's been it's been a great communal effort um but you know I don't have the hard data to see you know what percentage of our community is vaccinated and and of that percentage what percentage is you know Latino uh versus other ethnicities so um, I'd be interested to know the hard numbers behind that and and really you know being a partner in how we can help the department help and neighborhood help in, um, in helping those numbers
0: yeah yeah and just anecdotally did you notice a difference or um kind of a certain type of response after you guys took all of these um, measures to make sure it was as accessible as possible
1: yeah i believe so because you know when uh knowledge is power right so uh when we ensured that that information was accessible it was available in spanish um and in mediums that were easily uh easily to to be distributed right uh we folks were able to to have the information they needed to to make their decision and so i believe that uh us uh working and and being uh, great partners and also the the city department of health and and nonprofit partners like Neighborhood Health, uh, their missions and their, um, how, w- how their work is driven. It also helped us. It was very aligned to to how much we, we care and love our community and want to see it flourish. Anecdotally, I'm, I'm hearing like, oh yeah, you know, I'll uh, see a parent and I'm like, oh, you know, she's like, can I give you a hug? I'm fully vaccinated. I'm like, Aww. I am too. And so I'm like, we'll hug one another. Um, so, you know, that's, I'm seeing that more and more.
0: How can people help out Casa Chirilagua as we sort of collectively start to emerge from this pandemic um, and going forward?
1: Yeah, so you know, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm excited to to build a new normal in our city uh, and and partner not just with our community but but other communities in our city in, in ensuring that all families can flourish and, and ensuring that leaders in all communities have opportunities for them to, to lead. And be equipped to lead, um, and so I I'm, I welcome anyone to volunteer with us. You know our programs can't happen without committed volunteers. We have an incredible um, volunteer force at Casa Chirilawa, and it's because of them that we're able to have high quality programs and and targeted support to students. Um, specifically, our mentoring program uh, where mentors are matched one on one with a student. Uh, you know, I encourage anyone interested to in joining this mission to to volunteer with us, um, or even visit us and ask how you can be a volunteer or a mentor. You can visit our website kessachilelawa um, to see our volunteer opportunities and any FAQs regarding uh, what it's like to be a mentor. Um, we provide trainings, orientations. You know, you're not we're not sending you out like on your lonesome. You know, you are part of a of a, a huge community and a huge network. Right. and volunteers feel supported uh when you know at least that's what they (laughs) shared with us um and so yes i encourage uh folks to volunteer with us Uh, i encourage folks to give financially and support our mission as we continue our work post-pandemic um and we're focusing on our five-year vision of strengthening our leadership pipeline increasing mental health resources to the community and seeing more confident community advocates Um, and so it's uh the great vision that we have, and, and I welcome folks to, to support it uh, and to be part of this community. It's a beautiful community, and uh, yeah, our casa, su casa. Um, yeah, we, we'd love for to lock arms with more folks in our city.
0: So we end every episode by posing a question to the next guest uh, without knowing who it is, and your question comes from our last guest, Joe Cerruti, the artistic director of the Barbershop Chorus, the Alexandria Harmonizers, um, and he asked, when was the last time you sang he didn't know it was you but i thought that this would be a potentially apt question for you as somebody who uh, has a theater arts degree
1: oh my goodness this morning in the car like <laughs> i love to sing i you know i'm not a lead vocalist but i love to harmonize and i feel like god's given me like a musical ear and it's become it's something that comes naturally to me uh, so yeah i love i love to sing i love to harmonize um and so, yeah, I love that question. I'm glad that I can say that it was this morning.
0: Lastly, what is your question for the next guest?
1: Yes, yeah, so my question is what is one new thing that you want to do post pandemic?
0: That's a wonderful question. <laughs> I know yeah. the wheels in my mind are turning. Um, I
1: don't know what answer either. I'm like, I'm going to think about this too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adriana, for talking to me. It's it's really been a pleasure.
1: Oh, likewise, Olivia. Like like I said, it's an honor to be invited, and um, yeah, I anytime that we can be of any support to Alexander. Awesome.